Hi, hello, this is Austin Williams, and you're listening to Relevant Tones. Today we have a wonderful artist feature, Doug Bielmeyer, and uh, he is going to talk about his new album, Music for Billionaires. We just listened to the track Wells, Maine off of that album. Uh, Doug and I had some incredibly wonderful and enlightening conversations, and I'm sorry to say that um, we had to trim quite a bit of it out just based on uh, time constraints. So um, with that being said, I, I still think we're going to enjoy the, the interview and what Doug and I had to speak about. Um, I'm going to keep this short so we can kind of just cut to the chase and we can enjoy our chats. So here is the interview. And we probably don't need a metronome through this, huh? Uh, uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to use a metronome throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. You got you got you got your twenty beats per minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I can get yeah, that going. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, well, Doug, it's great to actually meet you. Um, I like I said in my message, and thanks for meeting. Um, kind of in Absolutely. this you know short uh, um, hey. instance here. Um, but yeah. I think we've kind of run in similar circles um, a bit, um, and it's kind of great to actually chat with you. So I love doing this stuff. I love talking about my music and just talking to other people who are doing doing this stuff yeah so, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely great man well why don't why don't we just kind of jump on keep keep on that topic so why don't i'd love for you to talk about what you do um who you are kind of all that stuff great uh my name is doug bielmeyer and i'm a music creator we can talk about that yeah uh <laughs> you know parentheses composer right? yeah yeah um uh mix and recording engineer, um, as well as a professor at Northeastern University here in Boston. Excellent. Uh, let's see, I write drone ambient music, experimental music. Um, maybe it's not as experimental as some, oh, hold on a second here. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Uh, yeah, I write uh, drone uh, ambient music as well as what's often classified as experimental music mm -hmm. and chamber music. Mm -hmm. So um, I think when when you ask what are you all about, yeah, um, I'm all about doing all those different things. I yeah. think experimental music and kind of uh, sort of pushing some boundaries. Um, but I really love electronic music, and of course, I record and mix a lot of sort of indie and pop artists as well. So sure. that always seeps into what I'm doing. And often there's drops and there's, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, sure. there's lyrics and, and other things like that. So, yeah. um, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Kind of this all around touching, you know, not, nothing's left untouched. Yeah. I always go back to like the, the minimalists, like their argument, like, especially in the eighties when it was still like, like, what is this? You know, you guys are just repeating stuff over and over again. Like yeah. we need to rely on, you know, modernism and, and, uh, you know, European music. And, uh, you know, their argument was, well, we grew up eating hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah. So like just to, to, to deny like how much popular music and how much commercial music, you know, we consumed, uh, you know, in our formative years. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that are sort of pushing back against that and want to have this sort of rarefied or refined or academic sort of composition and, and look mm -hmm. on music. But mm -hmm. there's, there's so much time spent, you know, in listening to commercial music, being influenced by it, yeah. understanding, you know, the history of it um, that I, I can't, I can't deny that in what I do. And so I try to be sort of inclusive to all the influences yeah. uh, that I know I've been exposed to throughout my life. 
Well, that's the whole thing. So it's like the music I made when I was 15 versus the music I made in my 20s versus 30s. And now I'm, you know, in my 40s. Uh, you know, I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, like I feel yeah. like it's like, you know, like the the night I fall asleep, you know, in my eighties <laughs> yeah. or something and never wake back up. Like I, I hope that day I like wrote something. Yeah. You know, and I and I, you know, I have um a colleague who's uh in his seventies now and um you know he still talks about like being like well you know i gotta get this uh commission i gotta do this and that because you know it'll really help my career and it's like it's like you know like dude you're you know you're in your 70s but like i i love that gives me actually a lot of hope because i'm like sure. i think you know when you decide to become a creator or a composer or whatever you want to call yourself yeah um when you decide that for me it's like i want that to be something that i can grow with and and kind of have through my entire life and I don't want it to be this like, well, I was attractive in my 20s. So I was part of this like power, you know, power punk band. And yeah. now that I'm kind of like overweight and like bald, <laughs> I can't really, you know, talk about like anti-establishment anymore and like, have any cred. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. so, you know, like, so now I just like, I don't know, I'm going to put an ambient album out, you know, but yeah, um, yeah, 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 but, but, but you know what I mean? So like the idea of that, you know, this sort of creative lifestyle can be one that, you know, sort of. Uh, it you know goes through your entire life i think trent you know trent reznor is a great example oh yeah like he can't he can't come out and you know have head like a hole anymore like he can't come out and do that song anymore yeah. but now mm -hmm. he's doing all these like beautiful sort of soundtrack work that's still so his music and mm -hmm. still so very much you know trent reznor nine inch nails right right um yeah uh but but it's the next evolution of of what he's doing so i i yeah. That's the that's the hope I have for everybody who's creating is that they can have it throughout their life. I had this wild experience where someone um, probably about 10 years younger than me, they were definitely like freshman or sophomore and in, in undergrad and the composition yeah. student. They were talking about like, oh, I just really love like the, the film scores of like Trent Reznor. And like they were talking about them like a film composer. <laughs> and I'm like, do you like John Williams? Like yeah, John no, Williams well, or something but, like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, do you not realize he was in snails? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is like really weird disconnect of like, you yep. know, yep. A, a, yep. a decade gap of like, wait, you've yeah, I don't know, strange. But well, it's like Eno. Eno's the same way. Cause yeah. like young Eno, you know, in T Rex and just like just being this like just larger than life sort of, you know, um, sort of experimental human being and like yeah. david bowie is kind of the same way where they were just these like caricatures like uh characters and then later in their life like especially with eno i mm -hmm. mean like he's the you know sort of grandfather of popular ambient music yeah. and he is this like sit quietly and listen type guy you mm -hmm. know and in the 70s he was like in your face you know hair makeup all this <laughs> stuff and uh so i i i think that I think that's a that's a positive thing. I think that
I would love to talk about uh, your recent album that um, you released, Music for Billionaires, um, which is a hilarious title uh, for an ambient <laughs> electronic <laughs> music album. Um, so yeah. um, I, I have uh, a bunch of lovely thoughts, but um, I'm, I'm always curious, you know, people start and end points with albums and maybe the impetus and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think this began as two chamber works so there was mm. the uh piece that i wrote for hypercube ensemble nice and yeah. then there was a, another piece for um unheard of ensemble cool and so i had written those two pieces they were performed i think maybe in like 2020 2021 yeah i was working on them they were definitely like helped me through covid type yeah. like i had something to like get up and work on mm -hmm. um and uh, i think the pieces were like sort of performed virtually and you know there were some recordings made so I think the initial process was like, okay, let's let me meet up with you guys, and you know, um, at Octavian uh, Sound uh, mm -hmm. in New York, and I'm like, let me meet up with you guys, let's record this stuff, let's get like, yeah, good versions of it that I can then, um, sort of, you know, create an album with it or, or move forward with that, right. and, um, then the rest of the album was kind of stuff that had been around and that was being worked on, and and that stuff was more done you know, sort of in the studio after the fact. Okay, but, yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, it wasn't like this dramatic story about, like, you know, I was struck by lightning when uh, yeah. like, God yeah. spoke to me. It was more <laughs> of just like, hey, I've got these pieces, like, yeah. you know, sort of lying around, and let's get sort of finished versions of them, yeah. and let's see how that goes together with... Um, with an album. Yeah, I mean, for kind of a hodgepodge... Um, group of pieces it, it, it's all very cohesive actually um so i'm, I'm i guess i'm not surprised because i also understand that like oh, i have all this stuff you know unfinished stuff lying around yeah. let's you know put some you know bar lines at the end of it um but that's the you know it's always nice when the product kind of ends up being that way um and i well, was I, yeah go ahead well i think that has to do with sampling i, I think oh, yeah. because <laughs> i'm like sampling myself right so you know sometimes when I'm like, well, what should I put here in this piece at this point? Because there's not enough happening here yeah. or, you know, there's not enough meat on the bones here. Well, let me go and take something from the previous song yeah. that either works, you know, harmonically, rhythmically. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that within the album of this sort of recycling sort of the same thing and kind of pasting it in. And um, yeah. that felt that felt very kind of like marketing, kind of like reboot. Sure. You know, that that whole thing. Okay. And so I'm like, that's that's great. I'm like, that's a great thing to kind of uh, a marketing tool to employ in yeah. know, composition. Man, I, I recently gave myself permission to like reuse um, just like samples or like electronic things that I've made in yeah. pieces because I'm like, man, this this sounds good. Why, why am I only using it once? Like, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice yeah. to only give it, yeah. you know one shot yeah. of like or one context in which it can exist like this yeah. has so many possibilities that you can like take something so um yeah totally, you know it's yeah. it's my it's funny my sister will like pop into the studio and i'll be like hey i have this new gig gig coming up later in the uh you know later in the month and i'm gonna be doing a show with my lap steel and like my push mm -hmm. and like you know i'm gonna write a whole new it's got to be like a 60 minute set so i'm gonna like write all this like new music for it or whatever and she'll like pop her head in and just be like, well, don't you have like other stuff that you could just, you know, some older stuff that you could like incorporate so you don't have to write like 60 minutes worth of music? Yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't I, why don't I do that? That's a good idea. So, so like, I feel like her voice always pops up, especially when I'm like talking to a student or somebody else and they're like, okay. we've got to create this whole new brand new thing. And it's like, 
no, like kind of, you know, play some of the hits, play some of the old songs, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. um and kind of work that in with some of the new stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um but it, it all sounded, you know, very fresh uh on your album, so, you know, congrats. And that, that's the whole thing, man, is just like it it's it's context, right? Like you can have the same thing, but if you if you contextualize it differently, then it's it's different, you know, and that's um going back to the sampling, like you might be able to sample the same thing um you know, or I hear, you know, in hip hop, you hear the same sample used in different songs right. all the time, like ubiquitously. Yeah. And usually it's intentionally because people were yeah. talking, you know, especially, you know, uh, older hip hop. It was, you know, people like, oh, that's a great sample. Let me use that, you know, kind of thing. And um, right. it's and it's cool. You know, it's hip and you you, you make it your own thing in that way. So, well, um, you know, I think even, ja- you know, jazz had always has jazz standards so yeah like i mean how many different ways have you heard my funny valentine Mm -hmm. like in in a jazz setting Mm -hmm. and uh it sometimes it's a little sometimes it's a little old but usually (laughs) you know that's just something that's been done and redone so i almost feel like sampling in hip-hop is sort of the same way where it's like this is known as a standard or a great break or great beat from Mm. you know the winstons or whoever yeah and let's how can we interpret it how can we put our spin on it you know yeah east coast west coast chicago you know like there's all the different you know ways to you know approach it and yeah um,
um, impressed and um, drawn towards kind of some of the more formal aspects of it, actually. And going into it, we unfortunately all have preconceived notions of what we're going to experience. And I was expecting mostly ambient stuff. And then all of a sudden I was hearing these pieces with like form and... Yeah, I think at the start, you know, the first track, Wells Main, is very much an ambient piece. Yeah. And, um, you know, my first album, Betty in the Sensory World, um, that was 60 minutes of just ambient music. That would be like Wells Main. Like the whole album was that. And it was about just sitting there spacing out just enjoying it maybe going for a long walk you know mm-hmm. just just relaxing and slowly organic slow organic change yeah and so i think that's kind of you know and i've done many albums since that have kind of played with that idea but i thought this would be a great way to start it is with that kind of ambient idea but then go right in on the second track to corporate responsibility pledge yeah uh, which features the unheard of ensemble yeah and that piece is just like it's too much like it's just too much motion um and for me it's like kind of overstimulating that piece because yeah. it's just like it starts out kind of intense and we do have a nice sort of break in the middle um but then when it comes back it's even faster and a little bit more out of control until it finally just sort of falls apart like a machine that yeah. just is running too fast, too hot for too long. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that's like when I'm envisioning form for the album, yeah. album, I was thinking about that, like having it be more dynamic in that some of the tracks are a little less, you know, moment to moment um, uh, and a little less music that I, I want an audience to kind of like really, you know, be listening to every note. And then having tracks that are very rewarding for a listener if they sure. are seeing saying like what's happening in this beat of the measure what's happening in the next yeah yeah for sure i uh well i picked it up um and i you know and i i also just i wasn't ex- i was expecting like electronics all throughout and there are they are there but uh hearing the acoustic yeah. you know ensemble in there as well was kind of a kind of a cool contrast to to the rest of the the works um yeah yeah yeah, I because I think for me, I can I can sit and just listen to I don't know what is making this sound, but it's beautiful. Mm. And to me, I love that. Like yeah. I love it when I'm listening to this like really drone or uh, ambient music, and I'm not sure are those synths making that sound? Is mm. it instruments? What is it? Mm-hmm. I'm like I don't care. I'm just enjoying the textures. Yeah. But I think for a lot of listeners, I think having that that grounded, you know, aspect of it, like oh, that's violin that's this that's a guitar that's sure. drums you know that's you know uh or those are drums like i think those things are super important for sort of you know communicating and and sort of tr- translating or like engaging audiences
I mean, so another aspect, and we've definitely touched on it a bit, is you know, you're, there's a lot of irony in the in the title of your you know album, Music for Billionaires, and and I think um, uh, outright in the description, you're you're kind of calling into the question of like accessibility and you know contemporary new music, and um, yeah. I'd love for you to kind of maybe speak a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, um, I think when I, I I speak on this a lot, yeah, and a lot of it. It, when I talk about it, I talk about like it from an aspect of sort of privilege, yeah, and this yeah. idea that um, to be a creative person, there's a there's a lot of privilege that's involved in that. Meaning yeah. you have to have okay, so money, yeah, it makes the world go around, but you also have to have time. Yeah, um, there's education, and that doesn't mean like school so much, but it means time to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just even we were just talking about all this technology that right. we have around us. Yeah. Like how many hours did we spend, you know, scouring the internets to find, you know, how to plug, you know, patch A into patch B. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's all that time that's spent. So to really be a creative, you have to have sort of this space, time and money yeah. um, to even just create the work. Yep. Um, but yep. then after that, you've got to find people to help you interpret it. And mm-hmm. then you've got to reach out to audiences. And so that's even more time and then even more resources. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was thinking recently that, you know, Giving Tuesday uh, has, has befallen us uh, again yeah. uh, most recently. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's great because I yeah. love it. I love it because I see all the new music ensembles and all the people yeah. in the music that are, you know, looking for funding and this and that. And, um, I love to see it because I'm like, great. I know all these groups are, they exist, they're out there yeah. and they're making this new music. And, um, so I love seeing that, but there, there was this like recent controversy on the internet, which is like ridiculous, but yep. people were talking about like, oh, like, you know, this ensemble that, you know, didn't, that, uh, didn't accept my piece is now asking me for money to oh, play, geez. you know, and it's just like, Come it's on. like so, so sloppy. Come on. But, 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 but yeah, so, yeah. so, but, and my thing is that is like, obviously like, you know, these ensembles are like the life, you know, the lifeblood of, of, of what we do and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, are such mm-hmm. an important part. But, but even in that, like that just kind of signals to me when we're talking about music for billionaires that even the performers that are like, you know, taking a big chunk of their life and their time to help us interpret this music mm-hmm. and to be champions and supporters of it, even they need resources to continue to do this because in in a way it is not self-sustaining like you know somebody like uh taylor swift or something like that where you know there's just so much money and so much production that goes into that but even taylor swift i mean like there's uh, talk about music for billionaires i mean how much money is spent to create a taylor swift song how many people are getting paid right and then also even just to market it, promote it, do a show, that type of thing. So yeah, yeah. um, that's really at its core. Yeah, it, yeah. it was kind of like a gratitude uh, statement, really. Like music for billionaires is kind of like I'm grateful that I have the time. I'm not a billionaire, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but like, but, but I'm like I I'm so grateful that I have the time and the resources to be able to put an album even together.
Is there anything else that we uh, did not talk about that you would like to speak on projects? Anything about more about the album that you want to kind of talk no, about? I, or I mean, I, I can plug if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, please, <laughs> please plug away. The, yeah, the, yeah, uh, this... the album. Mu- yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, the album music for billionaires. It's available everywhere. Um, you can download it a digital copy on Bandcamp. Uh, you can also order CDs on you know Amazon, all the the local places. Uh, check it out. It has uh, two great performances by the Unheard of Ensemble as well as Hypercube. Also, John Dalton, a local uh, jazz drummer here in Boston, is on one of the tracks as cool. well. And uh, yeah, it's about 40, 45 minutes of sort of ambient music, chamber music. Uh, great sort of getting a cup of coffee, going for a long walk yeah, and just yeah. putting the headphones on type of music. Yeah, great, man. Well, thanks, Doug. It's been a real gem having you on here. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Austin. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. Well, yeah, actually, though, thank you for making this like really last minute thing happen. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always uh, like, I'm always on Zoom, I feel like. So it's oh, just yeah. like there's another Zoom meeting after this. So <laughs> okay. like, this is great. <laughs> Fair I enough. get to talk about my music instead of, you know, some committee. Oh, OK. Like yeah. All right. So, yeah. Yep. Good. At least it's a good, good one. <laughs> All right. And unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Um, I had some wonderfully charming conversations with Doug uh, with lovely sense of humor and um, uh, a large snippet that we weren't able to talk about. We talked about a lot more on uh, pop music and um, its influences on um, composers and vice versa on, on contemporary composition and its influence on um uh pop music in a weird way so um maybe someday we'll be able to release the full interview because it is quite lovely um but yeah check out um doug bielmeyer's uh, podcast the process as well um they do excellent works with composers where they bring them in they focus on a piece and they talk about um their process in making it which i think is super fascinating um and i just hope you enjoyed his music uh he has a bunch of other music out there other than this one album and it's all um lovely and in this like electronic world um, that um, he seems to have a really solid grasp on. So super excited to have had Doug on the show. All right. Well, as always, Relevant Tones is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Find out more at acmusic.org and we will catch you next time. Thanks, folks. (laughs) 